Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Glad Tidings with me, Greg O'Keefe and Patrick Boyland. And we are here to celebrate, I suppose, to discuss and to analyse the news. It's felt like a long time in coming because we've been across it every day, but now it is official. Carlo Ancelotti is the new Everton manager. It sounds quite surreal just saying that out loud in many ways, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it, it does really. And I think in many ways, this is what Farhad Mashiri himself has wanted yeah. for an awfully long time, probably since the start of his tenure. Mm-hmm. Tried and failed with Ronald Koeman to get that kind of Hollywood manager in quotation yeah. marks. He finally has him three and a bit years on. So uh, I, th- I think it's um, it's big, big news, obviously. A huge coup for Everton Football Club to snare somebody with the CV of Carlo Ancelotti. And I think the initial worry over certain candidates that were being touted yeah. has kind of dissipated here. It's a statement of intent yeah. and, and hopefully Everton now can kind of kick on and kick this machinery vision into kind of into fruition. Do you think there'll be a sense of surprise in, in the wider footballing world that someone who's, you know, albeit Napoli, he didn't lead Napoli to the title or to any European success. He is incredibly successful and I suppose it will be a surprise that he's chosen to come to a club in the sort of wrong end of the table without trophy in 24 years, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I, th- I think we're actually seeing that already. If you if you read a few of the articles that that have been in in the wider media, yeah. uh, and and even listen to a few of of the kind of the bigger, more prominent broadcast yeah. stations, I think there's a there's a misconception here, and that that Everton shouldn't be able to almost appoint this kind yeah. of guy, yeah. and that Everton and Ancelotti aren't likely bedfellows. Yeah. To an extent, I, I kind of see where that comes from because. Everton's last few appointments have been these kind of young, up, up-and-coming managers, yeah. ones that you expected to kind of continue that journey with Everton. I and mean, Marco Silva was a prime example. But now we've now we've got somebody that's kind of at the op- opposite end of the spectrum that's been there and done that, and it's taken a lot of people by surprise. I yeah. think I think that's what occurs to me when I when I see some of the the reaction to this and the the initial articles kind of questioning whether this could get over the line at all. And we have to, of course, give great credit to the people at Everton that have made that possible. Farhad Mashiri, who's who's finally followed through on that long-time ambition. Uh, the others behind the scenes doing the negotiating and it, it's been a team effort and it, it's kind of got something over the line that I think many people didn't expect to happen. No, if yeah, being honest. yeah, I do think it's important that, uh, well, it's not important, the wider football world can say what they want, but that we recognise that this is a fantastic coup for Mashiri. As you said, it does underline his complete ambition when it comes to Everton you can't accuse you can accuse him of some things um, perhaps sometimes the the money he's invested in the playing staff hasn't been invested as wisely as, as it could have been but you can't knock him when it comes to really thinking big for Everton football club but for so long that's all we've wanted is someone to come in and you know want to put Everton in the big time not stay in your lane get David Moyes back you know push a punch above your weight and maybe finish fifth or what this is an appointment that says the manager is here to try and lead Everton to to trophies Champions League football and beyond so I think he, he deserves some praise for that amidst the sort of like stick he gets well well this is it and uh, he's had a bit of stick maybe quite rightly so for the way the project so far has kind of meandered and, and it has meandered if we're being honest Everton aren't where they maybe should be given the money that's being spent. I mean, 400 and above million um, since he arrived at Goodison in, in, I think it was the February of 2016. They are currently 16th in the, in the table. So 
that that tells you a lot about the way this project has gone. And it has been a scattergun approach at times, particularly in relation to transfers. You, you look at, say, a, a Fabian Delft coming in compared to, say, an Alex Awobi, then even a Moise Keane. Um, if you go further down the, the kind of the list of transfers, uh, that doesn't always seem like joined up thinking. But what the ultimate ambition has always been, and we, we've known this from the approaches for Simeone before, from the approaches for Ancelotti before, which which you'll read about more in our in our piece on the Athletic, and also the the approach for Pochettino, the the, the doomed always doomed approach for for Pochettino um, this time around. Yeah. That that has been the ultimate ambition, and that's what Fahad Mashiri has wanted for Everton. He's wanted to turn Everton not into, like you say, a uh, reincarnation of the Moyes era, a plucky kind of fifth, sixth, seventh in the table. He wants Everton to be number one, and I think you can maybe question some of the decisions so far, but like you say, you cannot question that overriding ambition and that desire, and he works tirelessly for, for Everton Football Club. That does need to be said, so... Getting this one over the line is, uh, I feel, vindication and, and validation for him. Um, he'll be absolutely delighted by the appointment. I mean, a, a, a true kind of legend in the managerial stakes. I, w- I was looking through his Ancelotti stats the other oh, day. it's mind-boggling, isn't it? Well, he's, he's he's up there with Zinedine Zidane and, and Bob Paisley, I think, for the for the number of European Cups. Yeah. One with, with three. Uh, he's obviously won the, won the league in multiple different countries. Um successful at Real Madrid, successful at Chelsea. He's been in Italy as well. Bayern, this is a track record. When you look at the other candidates for the role, with all due respect to, say, a Vitor Pereira or an Eddie Howe, those guys have managed Bournemouth, in the case of Pereira, Shanghai and Porto and Olympiacos. I think the fear almost for me was that, say, with Pereira, Everton were going to end up with not another silver in terms of playing style and everything, but something that played out in in a similar way. It looked like a similar CV to me. You can't... You well, it was an almost identical CV in many ways. Wasn't it? <laughs> well, it was, yeah. It was just missing Estoril from um, <laughs> from Vito Pereira's <laughs> CV. Um, Hull. <laughs> and and some, Hull, Hull City and, and a few of those sides. That's one accusation you absolutely can't level. Uh, Carlo Ancelotti, of course, um, even his last job with Napoli. Um, they're a big club playing in the Champions League. So it's a statement of intent, like we started off by saying. Everton have had to pull out the big books to get him. They've had to be fortunate in many ways. It's funny you mention Arteta and Arsenal. Because I was having this conversation with somebody the other day and I said, does it not feel as though Everton and, and Arsenal have got each other's managers? <laughs> should, should Arteta in this parallel universe, should Arteta not be sitting on the Everton side of the director's box um, with, um, with Ancelotti and the Arsenal one? And I don't think it's too far-fetched to say that this actually could have gone a different way mm-hmm. in different circumstances. Well, from what we understand, there was certainly Arteta was very much on Everton's radar, wasn't he? Yeah, and I think at one point, Ancelotti on Arsenal. So that this this relationship between the two, that obviously um, is helped by Farhad Mashiri, but people close to Farhad Mashiri, um, and then Arteta and, and various other kind of figures here. That has continued throughout um, it just feels as though Everton fans are going to be a little bit happier with the appointment of, of Ancelotti than, than Arsenal fans are with with Arteta. Yeah, yeah. Whether that's fair or not. Well, we'll see. I mean, we see what comes of it. I, I am of the opinion, just a, a feeling and a hunch that Arteta's going to be a fantastic manager, but I also agree with this, the other people have been saying there's absolutely no proof that he'll be a fantastic manager. Um, it's a, such a big risk. Whereas the risk is mitigated with Ancelotti because he's got and he's got the credentials and he's been there and done it time and time again. Did you think as well that maybe Arsenal are in more of a position to take that risk 
if, if we're comparing the two clubs and, yeah. and carrying this forward. You look at them and for all their problems, they are still kind of cemented in the upper echelons of the table. Yeah. They have progressed in cup competitions. There is still quite a lot to work with there. And there, there, there's stuff to work with at Everton, don't don't get me wrong. But what I'm saying is, if you say to a Mikel to go and get us out of this supposed relegation battle, we're in 16th place, take us into the top half of the table in your first managerial role. Yeah, That seems like a bit of a tough ask. And, and one that, as Arteta, I probably wouldn't, wouldn't have wanted to take no. on myself, personally. So it just feels as though Everton need that ca- needed that kind of assured presence, that yeah. know-how and that savvy, that nous to lead them out of the dark period. And maybe Arsenal are in a different stage where there's a bit more of a platform and they can afford to almost take a bit more of a gamble. That, that's the way I see it. And that's why I think we are seeing some more joined-up thinking from Mashiri here yeah, because yeah. The, the situation demands that Everton get this appointment, right? Yeah. I'm not sure Arsenal fans would agree that they're in more of a position to take a risk. <laughs> no. But, but <laughs> however, I think you're right. I think the pressure, albeit in a different type of way, the pressure on Arteta would have been immense at Everton because the, he spent the biggest part, and I'd, I'd suggest the best part of his career, Goodison. You know, you talk about maybe if he was going to come in with Kale and his backroom staff and, you know... It, I'm just Evertonians anyway, and, and they're so such overwhelming desire for the club to be successful. It's a lot on the shoulders of a guy who's never managed a club before. Was he 37 or something like that? And this is it. Um, he's, he's not long <laughs> finished his playing career. This is it, and it's a it's a very good tutelage. If if we're being fair, you, you look at him working under Pep Guardiola. All the indications we get when we when we speak to people about Arteta and we hear stuff about him is that he's had a big impact at City. He's well liked. His training ground methods are innovative. He's learned from the best in the business in, in Pep Guardiola. So I think he will make an outstanding manager one day. Uh, he might not make an outstanding manager for Arsenal. It might it might take two or three jobs. You, you never know. This is what I'm saying, though. Could, Everton, I don't think, could maybe have afforded to do that because with, with the best will in the world, they are lower down the table. They do need somebody to get more or less imminent results if we're looking at the the table and the fixture list and, and what's to come. So Ancelotti is by no means an insurance policy, but I think he's the closest thing you could maybe get to an insurance policy, certainly from the options at Mashiri's disposal. What do you think then, Pad, that Ancelotti's mindset is? I want you to we sit across here, you know, fresh-faced, um, Correspondent, however, put yourself in the mind of a leathery Italian, <laughs> hair a bit greyer than you, glass of red wine, expensive red wine on the go, maybe a little cig and an ashtray. It, it does sound quite nice, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I swap places for a day and just to see what it's like. It nice London like, restaurants. Yeah, yeah. Mayfair, yeah. Private, private jet up to Liverpool to watch the game. Uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, what do you reckon he's coming into this with? What do, what do you think his mindset is? He's on a long-term deal. Um, actually the chances are if he were to complete his contract, he'd be the manager to lead Everton into the new stadium, Bramley you could, Moore. You could yeah. say. Um, but whatever people say about, oh, it's a payday, money is obviously important. But this is a guy who's got a lot of money and this is a guy who's still ambitious in his career. There's got to be more than that, hasn't there? Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I, I don't necessarily feel as though you can say that this is kind of, this is his last job. This is Ancelotti on a, on a downward 60. curve. Yeah. He's only 60. We've seen managers go far, far beyond that. Roy Hodgson's 70-odd, isn't he? Well, it, well, he is, and I think whistling whistling it down to just money, I think, does Carlo Ancelotti himself a disservice here, because yeah. he is somebody that's won everything 
but his last job hasn't gone particularly well for, no. for a, yeah. a multitude of reasons. I don't think anybody would want to tarnish their legacy. Um, and taking on a project like Everton with an element of risk is only something I think he'd be willing to do if, of course, he had money, if he has transfer funds, but also, if we're being honest, if he sees a future in that vision that Everton are showcasing to him, if he believes that he's able to kind of kick Everton on, exactly. kick his own career on. Because yeah. otherwise he'd just wait till the summer, wouldn't he? He's not going to be short of offers. Well, well it is, and we, we've, we've heard so much about this lovely veranda in, in Vancouver <laughs> and the, the nice holidays i definitely swap places with him. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, and if, if anybody's listening and fancies doing that for us, then we're, we're of course... Happy to go and sample the delight of. I wonder of if we've Vancouver. got any athletic subscribers from Vancouver. Big shout out if we have. We uh, probably, uh, we probably, <laughs> probably have because obviously a, uh, Canada's a Canada's a big market for the company as well. But um, like you say, I, th- I think he could have almost taken his time here. What we hear though is that he is still driven, that he still wanted to take a a job on, yeah. that he was looking to get straight back into football, and that that's the overriding sentiment from just about everybody we've spoken to, of course. So. I think that shows that the the passion is still there, that he is kind of almost coming in with a point to prove. And I don't mean that as a huge negative. He got Napoli into the last, well, the knockout stages of the, of the Champions League, but he was fired at a club that was warring, that was waging war internally and wasn't in an ideal situation. I, th- I think he's kind of looked to, he wanted to kind of get out of there anyway. So this is a chance for him to come back to England, a, a place we know that he loves, that he enjoys spending time in, with a well-paid job, with an ambitious football project. He's obviously had those reassurances, so he feels that he's he's able to to make the most of of, of his time here. And I think that that all points to a really positive scenario here. I, I, it's unfairly negative to spin this as Carlo's last big payday, yeah, season gone, an opportunity. And why would he go to Everton? Because he's a he's an intelligent guy. His representatives are intelligent people and they wouldn't be advising him to come to Everton unless there was a tangible reason for him doing so. So that's my take on it anyway. Uh, no, yeah. And like I say, again, it's not as if he couldn't have gone away and had a, a break out of football after the stress of Napoli and then strolled into a top job in the summer. I'm going to ask you to put yourself in the mindset of another old middle-aged man or, or older perhaps. What do you think Marcel Brands makes of this? Because there's a school of thought that he... Um, was going to lead this process now and I think what from what we understand is that he's been heavily involved in it as you would expect but perhaps hasn't selected every candidate and perhaps hasn't been the man to have the authoritative final say and at the same time we, we know from what we've written on The Athletic that he was really upset when Silva went and he would have advocated for extra time for Marco yeah. that didn't happen and now Swans Quinn who's very different from Marco in age and profile uh, in many ways, and and probably as well in in whether or not he's willing to be moulded by a, a director of football, I would suggest. Although <laughs> yeah. although Ancelotti's operating that director of footballs most of his big jobs, yeah. it's worth saying. But nevertheless, what what do you think, Brands will make of it? Well, it's it's, it's an interesting one, isn't it? And I I think to, to go back to your initial point first, <laughs> he's been integral to the process but I don't think he has led the process. And I think that's a crucial distinction to make. There are people at Everton, like Farhad Mashiri, who will have that final say and that will have their own opinions on on new managers. And Marcel obviously wasn't in charge when Silva came to Everton Football Club, but that was an appointment more or less totally uh, led, steered 
by Farhad and Mashiri. Yeah. So uh, I think kind of defining what Marcel's role is within the process is important. And he plays a role. He plays a crucial role. He identifies players. Yeah. He identifies managers. He's been having his say at boardroom level as well. And I don't think Everton would have foisted a candidate on him that he wouldn't necessarily have wanted. No. Now, uh, we, we hear he was slightly less keen on Vitor Pereira. We hear he was slightly less keen on David Moyes too. Carlo Ancelotti is a different kettle of fish. And our understanding is that Mashiri is not wanting to get on the wrong side of brands. He's not wanting to alienate him to any extent. He understands how important he is to the process. He knows he's so well respected around Europe. And that's what we get from our discussions with people about brands, isn't it? We, we, We hear so much good stuff about him. So I think it's, it's far fetched to believe that brands was the one that, made the appointment in quotation marks but it's also far-fetched to believe that he wasn't part of it and that he wouldn't be happy with the appointment of somebody like Ancelotti or that they can't work together yeah because like you say Ancelotti's worked with directors of football he's worked with crazy owners before at some of his clubs and that's partly why things haven't always worked out so I don't think there's too much of an issue here I really don't I think the one area for me is over transfer and transfer strategy and Marcel has been somebody that's largely advocated for players 25, 24 and younger. Well, I think he's been told that was the model he had to work under. Well, he, well, he has. and we he, Sustainability, think, <laughs> high sell-on value, maybe reduce, well, definitely reduce the wage bill and bring in younger players. Now, Low, lower fees, yeah, like lower, a sustainable, yeah, like um, you say. Whittling yeah. down agents' fees. Does it feel to you that Everton are about to move the tiller in, a, in an opposite direction? Under Carlo, I mean, can you imagine him wanting to come in and shop in that market, or is he going to want to come in and shop in Harrods, for example? Is he going to come and want to sign Ibrahimovic on wages that would probably make your eyes water? Is he is he going to want to go and this is fantastical because I know it's unlikely, but go and try and sign Koulibaly or some of his old players at Napoli or Bayern? In which case, it would take a considerable shift from what you've outlined correctly as, as brands, what brands was told was the financial landscape. Yeah, I, I think we will see a change in tact. And that's purely because from the conversations we'd had, we'd understood that brands have been brought in effectively to streamline the process, to make it more sustainable, as you pointed out, all those kinds of things that the initial intention for January was to maybe make a couple of tweaks to the squad, a few additions... Carlo Ancelotti coming in changes that to a certain extent. There's going to have to be an element of more pragmatism about some of the decisions. So, for example, given the situation Everton are in and the appointment of Ancelotti, if there are two players on a short list and one of them is a decorated 27 or 28-year-old and the other one is somebody that's slightly unproven, hasn't played in the Premier League before and is 22 or 23 then I think Carlo is going to want to advocate for the option that's going to come in and immediately improve the side. So it's going to be an element of pragmatism. So I think that's that, that's that's the one thing for me, how this works in the long term, how Brands and Ancelotti work together on targets, how those targets are identified, who has the say. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that process has always been clear anyway. <laughs> I mean, you, you look at you look at some of the players brought in under silver. Yeah. Um, I, I can pinpoint some that... Silver had more involvement in. You can pinpoint others that Brands led the ship on. 
there were others as well that Farhad Mashiri had an input over. And I think that that's the one lesson for me that whichever approach Everton take, they need to make sure that that is joined up and that everything is geared towards making that decision and getting it right. Yeah. So it's it's less about overriding philosophy, I think, yeah. and more about how can we maximise the resources to the best of our disposal and get Everton moving forward quickly, I would yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, just before we kind of wrap up, uh, something that's worth considering, isn't it, that it's, it's no secret that our forthcoming accounts are probably not going to suggest... Um, perfect let's say financial landscape i think it's going to show heavy losses perhaps even record losses and you touched on it earlier in, in this pod about the the vast amounts of money that's been spent under farhad uh, and and some of it without well, a lot of it to be, to be frank without very little return i wonder what it says for the long-term financial implications that this change in direction that we could well see under carlo um it's gonna have to tangibly get some rewards because you'd imagine there'll come a point where we'll start rubbing up against the limits of things like financial fair play, st- sustainability, you know, almost in Man City territory where they're still being investigated, aren't they? Or they're still chasing away from charges from UEFA. I think the problem sometimes is that people look at Farhad Mashiri and say, well, he's a, he's a billionaire. We can continue to plough funds into this project. Mm-hmm. But the actual reality, when you bring in things like fair play, whatever you think of the way they've handled things with Manchester City, is that there is a fine line and you need to be on the right side of that, that fine line. Like you say... We're, Bruce we're, Springsteen lyric, isn't it? Is it? <laughs> is it? Um, we know what this podcast will be called anyway. You, you've been in the minds of these like older men in this podcast, I believe. Well, that's it. I mean, that, I, I think that's no surprise, really. I'm an old man already <laughs> <laughs> in, in some regards. But yeah, th- I think going back to the point over financial fair play, we, we are expecting substantial losses, largely on the basis of player trading yeah. and the wage bill as it, as it currently stands. Like you're saying, the, the lessons of transfers like Gilfie Sigurdsson for £45 million, where there was never really going to be any massive resale value, do need to be learned to an extent. And I think the, I think the next step is ensuring that Everton are on the right side of that line, that they spend the money and they give Ancelotti the money he's so evidently being promised, but also creatively think of ways to make sure that they get the accounts right. And they need commercial performance. That's it. That's it. That's it. They need all of that. They're going to have to raise the game in those regards. And I think they have raised the game since Mashiri came in. I think we, we see the sleeve sponsor. We see the improved deals with USM. For example, um, some other commercial deals that the club hasn't done yeah. before. So Megafon, Beretta, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the idea of, of a few years ago of, of Everton under twenty threes having their own shirt sponsor would have would have been anathema to most to most Everton fans. But they they're making progress, admittedly slow progress in in that that regard. I think now the situation necessitates that they ramp that up a further notch. That if the accounts are going to work and are going to look like they should and Mashiri is able to push Everton on, then they're going to have to do so with improved commercial deals, with sponsorship. This is where those guys now will really, really earn their corn. Yeah. That is a slight worry, of course, given given the amount of money that's being spent. And it just, I think, brings home to roost the fact that they need to get this right, mm. that this is a roll of the dice that absolutely must land on the right number. 
if as far as Everton are concerned. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I would just say to conclude this episode as well that at least having someone of his calibre and international renown uh, and success, I think it helps you. Obviously, helps you sign top players, but it also helps you attract f- a commercial interest. I think yeah. because he's a name who's who's known throughout the world. You know, think how big. Lamentably, Chelsea are in world football in the Far East, in the Middle East. Think how big Bayern are. Think how big, of course, Real Madrid are. Um, all their fans are going to know Carlo Ancelotti is, and they're all going to take, I would suggest, or a lot of them will take an interest in his career subsequently. And so there's going to be people out there, I think, who may have Everton put more firmly on their radar than they previously did. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, anyway, great news. We're pleased. We um, are. Absolutely. Little early Christmas gift for us. Yep. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you subscribe to The Athletic. You can get some good articles from me and Patrick about the whole tumultuous chase <laughs> to get the new manager deal. Uh, and obviously, the, the end of Silver's reign and then throwing it forward as well. We'll be speaking about the Christmas fixtures uh, in other episodes. Um, you can get 40% off discount by going to theathletic.com and entering the code EVERTONPOD. So that will get you 40% off, nearly half price for a subscription. Uh, I'd suggest, but I would say this wouldn't I? It's well worth it. And um, again, thanks for listening. Merry Christmas from me and Pat. Bye.